Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. We are jumping this morning into a, a, a new series which is sitting in our values, which we're calling... Well, basically, the series is called what it is, who we are. You know, values are something that deeply inform us and shape us. In fact, they're things that we, we may not even articulate. If you think about your family, you think about your organisation, they have, have a set of values that may be articulated or not, but you sense them, you know them, you feel them as you operate, as, as soon as you find yourself within that space. You know, even as you walk into church, if maybe you've walked in here for the first time and all of a sudden you're starting to feel something. And underlying those feelings, those experiences are a set of values. And what we've sought to do over the past 18 months to two years is, as a church, kind of articulate what are the things that are most important to us that inform our behaviours, that inform the way in which we operate, how we respond and approach God, how we respond and approach others, both within our community and outside our community as well. And so we've articulated these five values, the ways in which we behave, who we are. And the first of these that we're going to be jumping into over the next five weeks is one that you've probably already picked up today. We live with abundant generosity. We are a church that lives with abundant generosity. And we're going to dive into a story today, a parable that Jesus teaches about what it means to live with abundant generosity, to take the generosity that God has given us and to be used to be generous around ourselves, to those around us. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to be reading this parable together. The words will be on the screen behind me as well if you don't have a Bible or a digital device. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word abundance. What do you think of when you hear the word abundance? When I hear the word abundance, I think of a bucket filled with water and a tap just, or a hose continually just pouring in it so that the water just fills over the top. There's an abundance of water overflowing or it could be a dam or a river just breaking its banks. A couple of years ago, there was a one in 50 year event in Lake Eyre in the middle of Australia. See, there was, if you remember, there was flooding up north in Townsville and up in North Queensland to the west of Townsville as well, all up in the north. And uh, it flooded and it rained and it rained. And all the rivers and the catchments, the creeks and the tributaries filled up with water. And the water began to flow downstream. Two months after that flooding, you see these, this picture. This is an inland sea, Lake Eyre. Thousands of kilometres away began to fill up. Water that had fallen, an abundance of rain that had flooded a thousand kilometres to the north up here in Queensland, moved its way to the centre of Australia, creating an inland sea. It was an abundance of water. And with that water came an abundance of life. Wildlife, birds, fish, Plants, And you can see through satellite images that all the way down from North Queensland, all the way to the centre of Australia, there was green. It was an abundance. You know, when I think about God and who He is, God is an abundant God. And wherever He gives, there is life and life overflowing. That is who God is. God is an abundant God. And God has been abundantly generous to us. He wants to pour his life and has poured his life towards us in abundance, overflowing. And where he pours, there is life. In this story, Jesus articulates the master as the one who has abundance. Now, he uses man or master, but if you understand, uh, when he's, if you understand the context of the passage, he's actually talking about the kingdom of heaven. So he says, again, it will be that it, if you take it in the context of the other parables, is the kingdom of heaven. So he is talking about the kingdom of heaven is like a master. So the master of the kingdom of heaven who gives with abundance. And the reason that the master can give with abundance is because he is the king of the kingdom. And the king of the kingdom owns everything. We know this, it has access to everything. So the king of the kingdom of heaven has access to everything within the kingdom of heaven. The psalm writers understand this quite clearly. We read in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So what they say in East London. Remember, that was the verse, everything in it. I'm glad you got it. Psalm 50, he owns the cattle 
on a thousand hills. This picture that the king owns everything in the kingdom. God owns everything. He has abundance. He has access to all the resources. But then Jesus goes on to say in this parable, the master hands it over to his servants. God has been generous in his abundance with us. He distributes the wealth of the kingdom to us. And we see that he divvies out talents. Now, if you understand what a talent is in that time, it's actually a significant amount. One talent equals half a lifetime's wage for a labourer. So someone gets five, so that's two and a half lifetimes of salary. So even the person who got one talent got a significant amount of wealth. The hearers of this would have been going, my goodness, that is a vast sum to be given to a servant. But this is what God hands to those in his kingdom. We put ourselves now in this place and what Jesus is saying is those in the kingdom have been given the wealth of the kingdom. 1 Peter, Peter writes this in 1 Peter as he reflects on what God has given us in the kingdom. He says this in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 5, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. We have been invited into something into the future. There is an inheritance as the children of God. To get an inheritance, you must be part of the family that we have access to that cannot perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith right now are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter is saying is that we have an inheritance that every one of us in Christ has access to. But it's not just for then, although that is wonderful and something to look forward to. In this moment, in this time, we also have access to the power of the kingdom of heaven. God has given us, Peter says, he has given us the power unto salvation in this moment as we look forward to that great inheritance in the kingdom of God to come. It is a now and a not yet. And so we are invited to participate in the kingdom. If God has been abundant with his resources, if he has been abundantly generous with us, if he has given himself for us, if he's invited us into his inheritance, whether we deserve it or not, then we are then invited to participate in the kingdom of God, to reflect his glory and his love, right? He's given us a participation in the kingdom, therefore we are to be operators of the culture of the kingdom of heaven, to manage the resources in the way in which he has called us. So we are called to be abundantly generous, God has called us in his likeness, in his kingdom, to be abundantly generous. Are you tracking with me? It's pretty simple to, to start with. God is generous. He's generous to us. We're invited to that generosity and we're invited to participate also in that generosity. And it's clear in this passage this, that, that Jesus says that we are to participate in the same stewardship, the same generosity, the same culture, the same DNA of the kingdom of heaven. What's interesting is that when, when Jesus talks about this story, the master doesn't give any instructions about how the talents are to be used. 
It's not like he says, here's, here's the wealth of the kingdom. Now, here are the five things that I'd suggest you do with them. There are no instructions. Why? Because the master knows that the servants have been around him long enough to understand what is expected. They understand the culture of the place. They've watched and they've seen how the master operates and it would just be naturally assumed that they would operate in the same way. And you pick this up when, when the master comes back and addresses the wicked, lazy servant. We read this in verse 26. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Now, can I just hit pause there? We can read this and go, what kind of master is this? Well, if you understand this in the kingdom of heaven, what it means is actually it's a generous God who wants as many people, wants to gather in as much harvest as possible into the kingdom, Right? So that's what he's saying, saying there is a generosity, there is a longing to expand the kingdom of God. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. What clearly is happening here is that this wicked lady, lazy servant has rejected, resisted, failed to up, uphold the value and the heart of the master. He's actually operated and said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to resist the values of the kingdom. I'm actually not going to operate with generosity. I'm not going to operate with, with, with a right heart of stewardship. I'm not going to sit within the culture, the values of the kingdom. I'm just going to do nothing. I'm actually not going to be generous in the way in which I operate. God has called us. It's clear here that we are to live with an abundant generosity. And that has always been the case. You can go right back through the Bible and see that this has always been the impulse in the heart of God. Right back to Genesis chapter 12. And you can go back to creation, that God hands and gives creation to Adam and Eve and says, go, multiply, be a blessing, be fruitful. And then Abraham, he comes and makes covenant with Abraham and says, Abraham, I am blessing you. I'm calling you out. I'm going to bless you in order that you will grow a nation that will be a blessing to the whole earth. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. God is abundantly generous to us in order that we can be and that we will be a blessing, that we will be abundantly generous to those around us. It's an obligation. It's a responsibility of being in the kingdom of God. That we have been blessed, we've been invited into the kingdom and therefore we must carry the culture of the kingdom and be a blessing, be generous to others. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, people. It's what it means to be a disciple, it's to actually walk in the way of Jesus. Theologian R.T. France, just in talking about this parable, articulates the, the impulse and the call this way. The parable teaches us that each disciple has God given gifts and opportunities to be of service to their Lord? And that these are not the same for everyone, but it is left to the reader to discern what those gifts and opportunities are. This is, uh, this is appropriate to the open-ended nature of parables and different readers may rightly place the emphasis on different aspects of their discipleship. So we must ponder and think, what has God placed in my hands? How has God been generous to you? What has God placed in your hands that you can pass on, that you, that I can be a blessing to others with? He has given us, to use the three T's, which I'm sure we've heard before, he's given us time, 
He's given us treasure and he's given us talents. So we can all agree, can we just all say, yes, God is a, an abundant God who is abundantly generous to us and he invites us to be abundantly generous in kind. But, but how do we do that? How do we live in the kingdom of God? How do we be abundantly generous? Well, I want to say that there's two things. There's a seeing and then there's an acting. We need to see through the lens of Christ with faith and we need to act in obedience with love. It's faith and it's love. See, faith and love, seeing and doing, expands our heart. Seeing and doing grows our heart. It expands our capacity for abundant generosity. When we see, when we look at and we can actually see through the lens of Jesus, it actually invites us into new places and new spaces. It gives us a capacity to see and believe what is possible. We're able to see the needs and we're able to see that we can actually play our part in meeting those needs in the economy of the kingdom of God. And the two men who received the five talents and the three talents understand this. When they're given the, the, the wealth, they, they can see there is opportunity here. God has given us something or the master has given us something and we can use it in the heart of the kingdom, in the spirit of the kingdom for his glory. They understood the purposes, they could see the purposes and they stepped out. Sometimes I think we fail to see and Jesus wants to open our eyes. In another passage in Luke chapter 12, uh, Jesus is asked about inheritance and he's asked about how, how to use money and to live with freedom in regards to wealth. And Jesus says this, and it's reported in Luke chapter 12, he says from verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And here's the rebuke part, you of little faith. Jesus is saying, can't you see? Open your eyes, look out. God is incredibly generous. He cares for those he loves. And he will look after you. Do not worry. Trust God. Open your eyes. See, when we see in the kingdom of God, when we see through the lens of Christ, we both see the need and we see the possibilities. It's seeing with faith. But it's also then being obedient and stepping out in that faith with love. Again, this comes down to the heart of the kingdom. See, God is, as John says, God is love. That is his culture. That is his value. That is central to all that he is, is fundamentally love. God is love. And he's expressed that love to us. That's part of his generosity. We know the verse, say, John 3, 16. Many of us grew up, that was the number one memory verse. So God so loved the world that he was generous, so generous that he gave his own son. Now, whosoever believe in him will not perish but have Everlasting life. I probably haven't given it the, I've given it the uh, King James Version treatment there. So, probably speaks of how old I am. God is generous. He is kind. He is love. 
God gave himself wholeheartedly for us, gave us his life. And therefore, as we're invited into that place, into that place of love, we are then also called to live with love. And this is the amazing thing. And you would know this from your own experiences when you open your heart to others in love. When you choose to sacrifice yourself in love, when you give of yourself in love, something opens up in you. Do you find that? When you actually choose the, the, the harder road often, which is the, the road of surrender and sacrifice, something opens up in you. You're liberated. When we enter into the culture of love, we become undefended. We become open. We're okay with being vulnerable. And we invite other people into that space. See, that is the, king, the nature of the kingdom of God. That is how we live in our community, in our family, in our city, in our world with abundant generosity. We see with faith and we live with love. That's how we're invited in. But so often there's a blockage. Why, why don't we live with this abundant generosity? Why, why is it so hard to live in faith and live with love? There seems to be a blockage in our generosity and it's actually tied to faith and love. About a month ago, I shared the story of our holiday, our last holiday. So we had decided to go down to New South Wales just after Christmas, which at the time was labelled a hotspot, which could be taken in a whole range of different ways, I suppose. Uh, but we, we were tired. You know, we were all feeling, everyone was tired at the end of 2021 and, and we were certainly feeling that as well. And so we thought, you know, we want to we go and have a holiday with my extended family. We do it every year, so... We will do it. The rules at the time were that you just needed to get a PCR test three days before you entered back into Queensland and then another five, five days after you needed another one. But as we know, something called Omicron happened. And so everything changed every day or so it felt like. And we're, we're in a tent in the middle of New South Wales trying to keep up with it. And there was you know, some good news. We didn't need to do PCR tests anymore, which was wonderful, but we just needed to do rapid antigen tests, which is great because we could do it in our own time. You just grab a rapid antigen test and, and then we'll just do, do it you know, a day before we come back. Easy. <laughs> Not easy. Because as we remember, there was not a rat to be found. I was searching within 150 kilometres of our little tent, just a radius, so 300 kilometres, just seeking out a rat, six rats. We just needed six rats in order to get back to Queensland. We were shut out of our home. Now, I know that other people have endured far worse, but this was just our story. But what was infuriating about it was that we knew that there were rats out there. There were plenty of rats. There were millions. There were billions of rats in the world. They were every, we were on our phone to our family in the UK. They could just go and get them from the shops of the hospital for free. They're just handing out rats in the UK. In the US, we were talking to Megan's mum. Can you just buy some? We, we had a plan. They were going to ship over a whole bunch of rats to us from America to little grassy heads in the middle of New South Wales so that we could get back to Queensland. Oh, the, the other thing too is the government was saying, don't worry, we have got 80 million rats in the country. 80 million. But we could not get one. Could not get one. Oh, there was an abundance. There was an abundance of rats. There was a supply issue. We managed to, about 100 kilometers away, I managed to 
buy six rats to get us home and we ceremonially took our, did, did the test only for the next morning for uh, the government to open the borders. <laughs> Drove past. I just wanted to stop anyway and show them our negative test. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Often, and we know this with God, there is absolutely an abundance. But sometimes we don't know how to access it. Sometimes we actually don't know how to get to what God has for us. And I want to suggest there are two things that stop us. If we say that faith and love are ways in which we expand and grow our generosity, this abundant generosity, I'd say that fear and comparison are two things which rob us of generosity. Fear and comparison. Firstly, fear. See, fear robs us of seeing the capacity of God's generosity. Fear, not doubt, is the opposite of faith. I would say that doubt is the way to faith. You've got to confront your doubts if you're going to make that step of faith. But fear stops us from stepping out in faith. We see this with the disciples in the boat with the storm around and Jesus is asleep and they they are consumed with fear and they lose faith. Jesus says to them when he calms the sea, you of little faith, why did you not trust me? See, fear robs us of being able to see the power and the greatness of God. And here's the question that sits underneath all of this for us. We ask the question, is God really great? Is he really great? Is God really in control? Can I really trust him in this moment, in this time? Can I trust him? And we live in a world, we live in a secular Western world, which, which as Charles Taylor talks, we live in this imminent frame, which is what he's saying is that there's a rejection of the transcendent and we try and build our own transcendental experiences within an imminent frame. And so we're told through media, we're told in the, in the cultural narrative that we're in is that you can find your joy, your meaning, your happiness within the imminent frame, within this world, within your holiday, within what you buy, your experiences, whatever it is, you can create your own happiness. And so we're told that we are in control. This narrative, this messaging continues to be smashed into our hearts and our minds. And what ends up happening is we begin to believe that we are ultimately in control. And then something like COVID happens. And we realize that we've built this nice little framework and this paradigm for how we can find happiness, but but actually we realize we're not in control. And what's one of the major things that's happening now in our world as a result of COVID? It's anxiety. All of a sudden, we're, we're not in control. All of a sudden, we can't plan for the next two months, three months, five months, one year. We're not in control. We begin to ask these questions of ourselves. Well, who is in control? See, when we, when we come to God with faith, we acknowledge that he is in control. And when he is in control, he is great. He has access to everything that we need. But oh, it's very difficult to let go. And so we begin to look at our lives. We begin to consider who we are. We, we consider the things that we have and we try and protect them. See, what fear does is it causes us to turn in on ourselves and we try and manage ourselves. You find, found yourself doing this in the last few years, managing your energy, managing your money, managing your time, 
not having capacity anymore. Why? Because you, you just don't know who's in control. And I, I say this as a challenge to myself as much as to anyone else here. This is, this is an invitation to see that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, God is greater. And we need to see that God is greater. God is sovereign. I love this in Luke chapter 12, as, you know, that, that passage I referred to before. Jesus says, don't, don't worry about your life or what you wear. Look at the, consider the flock, consider the birds of the air. I'll look after you. And then he says this in verse 32. He says, do not be afraid. Well, he says this, do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God is sovereign. We can place faith in him because he is pleased to give us the kingdom. If you are willing and humble to open your eyes and see it. I reckon that's a word in season for us. Open our eyes and see that God is sovereign. He is great. And not only is he great, but he is good. See, fear robs us of abundant generosity, but so does comparison. Comparison robs us of abundant generosity. Because what comparison does is it causes us not to look to God, but look to others. And we compare ourselves to others and we begin to ask the question, is God really good? Is God really good? This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are having a wonderful time. God has given them everything they need and then the snake slides in and says, did God really say? And all of a sudden the questions become, oh, well, maybe God isn't for us. Maybe, maybe God doesn't love us. Maybe he is withholding goodness from us. Is God really good? See, see, when we begin to ask the question, of is God really good? We begin to look around. We compare ourselves with one another. You can imagine, right, the, the third of the, sla- of the slaves, the servants, receiving the one talent. You know, if I was in his shoes, I would have been going, what about that guy? How come he got three? How come he got five? I'm way better looking than that guy. You know, I, do you look at my CV? I've done it. And we fail to trust. So you can imagine that all of a sudden he's failing to trust. Now, I don't know I'm reading into the story there, but I'm also understanding human nature. See, we step into this place of comparison and don't we all do it? How come that person? Why did that person... That person's got way more money than me. That person has got way more. How come that person got that job and I did? How come? God, it's not fair. God, you're not really for me, are you? God, you don't see me. You don't understand me. God, are you really good? And when we live in this place of comparison, again, we turn in on ourselves. We protect what we have. We dig a hole in the ground and we park ourselves there. Rather than stepping out with what we do have, with the vision to see, God, you have blessed me with, with so much. And God, thank you for what you've given to other people. Isn't it awesome to see what you're doing with my neighbor, with the, that person sitting in front of me in church today? Whatever it is. See, we move from celebration to inward introspection. 
and we lose sight of generosity. We see the response from this third man at the end. He said in verse 25, he says in 25, when the master comes, he says, I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here what belongs to you. Completely misses the heart of God. Completely misses the, 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 the heart. And, and you see that he refers to God as a hard taskmaster. I reckon sometimes we fall into that place when we find ourselves in comparison. It's actually a religious spirit. We actually see God as the one holding the whip, just trying to get every ounce of blood out of you. Maybe you see God like that. Maybe you see God as a hard taskmaster who's just trying to get you to be good. And for this third servant, he said, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. He saw God through the lens of religion rather than the lens of love. Didn't liberate him. And when we understand and see that God sees us with love, it sets us free. It sets us free to live with abundant generosity. And maybe, maybe here today you see God as a hard taskmaster. And you're just trying to please him. But as hard as you're working, you still look across and you see that other person who seems to be happier, seems to have more, seems to have a better family. Comparison, religion. It's not love. It ultimately kills you. And it certainly stops you from living with abundant generosity. Stop comparing. And consider what God has placed in your life. Gratitude is such a liberating discipline. Reminding yourself every day of everything that you have. I just want to give you a reality check for a moment. You're born in Brisbane, or you're living in Brisbane at least. Most of you would have at least been educated to the age, to grade 12. Many of us here would have been educated to a university level. You've been educated. You live in a first world economy, one of the richest countries. You have access to so much. I can guarantee that you probably, well, I can't guarantee, but I'm almost 100% sure that you have something to eat when you walk out of this building today. You have food, clothing, shelter. You have a social system that actually carries you and helps you if you need support. Listen, we have so much. We have been given so much. We just need to remind ourselves of it. We have all been given a talent. God has given each of us different things to carry and to use for his glory if we are willing to see it and thank God for it. So we as a church are called to live with an abundant generosity. Our value is we live with an abundant generosity. That is what a community filled with faith and love will look like. We are called to live with faith and love. And as we do that, as we capture this afresh, as we live in this freedom, we will be a blessing to our city, our nation, and our world. It must. It will flow out. It will smash through the doors and out into the streets of our city. It must. That's what love does. You know, it's interesting. I was just reflecting. What was the song of 2020? You know, if there was a song for the first year of the pandemic... What was the song that everyone was singing? Well, that wasn't in the church. 
which is true. Well, just out in society, there was this song that just within every second ad, we're all in this together. I haven't heard that song for the last year. Have you? Because the song has changed, we're all in this together, to I disagree with you and so I'm going to cancel you. I'm not sure how that would go as a song, but, uh, but that is the, that's what's going on, hey? Like at the beginning, yeah, we're all in this together. We're going to love one another and care for one another. And we're here for one another, right? Yeah, come on, let's do this. One year later, we don't agree with some of the decisions being made. Things are a little harder. We're a little tired. We're fatigued. You're annoying me. I disagree with that. I'm cancelling you. I'm, I, you are no longer my friend on Facebook. Whatever it is. It's amazing how the human heart has a way of exposing itself over time. We are not to be that community. I think we have an incredible opportunity in a place of fear and comparison to bring faith and love into our community. Abundant generosity. Abundant generosity. Wherever we go, your workplace, your school, your university, as you walk out at the end of this service, through our care ministries, through everything that we do, let's carry abundant generosity that is fueled by faith and love. So we've got three things. I'm coming to land here and we can probably get the keyboard up now because then it'll speed things up a little bit. Thanks, Erica. <laughs> Firstly, we're to be abundantly generous with our talents God, as I said, has blessed us in so many ways. I, I want to say just thank you. You know, two and a half years, God has been incredibly faithful to us, but I want to say thank you for every person who has blessed us with talents. You've given us so much, and we have so many. Every one of us carries talents. There are ways in which we can use our talents. You know, I'm so thankful for our generations team. I already said this. I said this last week for the way in which people serve. I'm so thankful for our care team that serve with their talents to give and to love. I'm so thankful for those who serve here on Sundays to create a space to bless us and lead us into the presence of God. We have all got talents to use. How can you use them this year? How can you be part of Team Gateway and serve this year? How can you find yourself within a life group in which you can bless others in the talents that God has given you? We are called to be abundantly generous with our talents. We are to be a community that's abundantly generous with its treasure. Again, we've already spoken into, we've celebrated the fact that we get to give and be generous to those who serve in our city and right around the world. We pray for Tian, we thank, and we thank God for her and for, uh, for Jacques and Cares and Attila who serve with Power to Change. We've got uh, Dave and Jenny Niebling here who are part of YOM as well, serving here in the city, plus many others serving right around the world. And it's because of your generosity that we get to do that. We are to be a church that continues to give with abundant generosity. If you're part of our church and you haven't made that step to give with abundant generosity, my invitation is step in today. Be part of being abundantly generous so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do here in this city. Without money, we wouldn't be here right now. Without money, we wouldn't be serving the homeless and the poor. Without money, we wouldn't be creating community where you can be supported and loved, where the poor and the broken and the hurting are cared for. It all costs money. And as we give, we continue to be a blessing 
in this city and right around the world. And finally, we're called to be abundantly generous with our time. If you're unsure of what talents or treasure you have, what you do have is time and presence. You know, I love the fact that on Thursdays, people go and just walk the streets carrying breakfast and some warm clothes. And all it is is just presence. I I actually think that our presence is a prophetic step in this time. We are so busy in our world. And there is this narrative that says, you don't have time. I want to say you do have time. You just need to prioritize it better. Our presence, I think, here in this city and your presence in community is a, a treasure and a gift that needs to be unearthed. How can you be present here on a Sunday in ministries out there in life group, presencing yourself with others to be a blessing to others? Abundant generosity. I just want to honour one person here today uh, who has done that. You know, Faith Gray. Sorry, I know you're not ready for this, but um, I'm going to speak a little bit, so I hope this is okay. But a couple of years ago, Faith uh, had to step away from her role in work because it was relying on international students and COVID totally messed that all up. Over the past two years, Faith has stepped into some space and given her resource of time in order that this community can be blessed. You know, Faith uh, stepped into our prayer meetings. And I don't know if any of you follow on Facebook, but Faith is the one who every day puts up our prayer points and a reflection, just loving and serving our community. Uh, Faith leads our resource team for our care ministry, which we started at the beginning of COVID, gathering together uh, resources in this church in order that we can be a blessing to our city. And Faith oversees our resource team. And then last year, in the midst of all the checking in and all the Eventbrite stuff that we all just love to do, Faith stood in and led our welcome team, bringing her time and her talents to bring, uh, bring that team together to bless and serve us. And I just want to say thank you, Faith, uh, for the way in which you've loved us through this time that you've had to bless us as a community. And so I've got a little card for you. Can we just say thank, thank you to Faith? Can you come up? Something small. Thank you. Thank you. We all have time, and Jesus says the time is now. Faith stepped into that moment. We're all called to step into that moment, I believe, now. See, let me just land here. Jesus, as he gives this parable, is in the context of a whole bunch of other parables where he is getting the disciples ready for him to go. That's why he says the master goes on a long journey. I'm leaving it up to you. And he's preparing the disciples for a time where he's gone and the kingdom of God is to be carried by the disciples. That time for us is now. Time for us is now to live, use the things that God has abundantly given us to be a blessing, to see the kingdom of God expand and grow. There are a whole bunch of ways in which we can play our part. And the big goal for us over the next seven years as part of Vision 100 is that we will have 3,000 people in our church serving and sent. And that's every one of us playing our part to see our city, our community, our nation, our world changed. In a moment, I'm just going to give you some really practical things to respond to. And uh, we're going to have some people walking around with shirts on, with the Team Gateway shirt, and just wanting to chat with you um, and find ways in which you might be able to play your part 
in, uh, in this community, serving this community, our city, our nation and our world. But before we do that, I wonder whether there's another response that I'd just love to invite us into. Just as I was being speaking before about fear and comparison, and you're sitting there going, you know what, I know that God has given me things to do, but in this season, for whatever reason, I've just, I've, there has been a supply issue. I know God is great, I know He's good, but, but I've just withdrawn for whatever reason, and there's no judgment here, to be honest, that's me too. Over this COVID season, it's kind of me, I'm just gonna, oh, I'm just gonna step back or I'm just not quite sure. Or, or maybe you've just lost that fire and heart. Maybe you've been comparing yourself to others, looking at other people's journey. Or maybe there's been anxiety and fear that has stopped you from giving of yourself, opening your heart out in love in the way that you would love. And just as you're sitting here today, God is just prodding you and poking you and saying, actually, it's time to step up. It's time to lift your eyes. It's time to see me afresh. It's time to actually live with a new sense of love and vulnerability, a new courage, a new joy, a new generosity. This is a season for you. This is a year for you to step up in abundant generosity. And so if that's you, almost as you step up, stand up, you're going, I'm stepping up this year to be abundantly generous to those around me. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you right now. Can you do that right now? Just if that's you, you're making that statement this year, you just know time for me to step up, abundant generosity. Why don't you just stand where you are? I'd love to pray for you right now. Come on, I reckon there's a number. Anyone else? God is calling me to step up, not to live in fear and comparison anymore, but to live with a freedom, live with a love, live with an abundant generosity. If that's you, come on, just stand where you are. I'd love to pray a blessing over you. Anyone else? That's great. Thanks so much for your courage in standing up. I just wonder whether um, people just can extend a hand. If you're, a, if you're in the same household, feel free to lay a hand uh, on, the, on, the, on that person. But just, let's just extend a hand to these guys right now. That God would just pour out His blessing. Abundant generosity. Holy Spirit, we thank You that, that You are with us. And we thank You, God, that You have been so good to us, so generous, so kind. You have been abundantly kind and generous to us. God, for those who are standing, Holy Spirit, just pour out Your Spirit upon them. Come upon them, Lord God, right now. Fill them with Your presence and Your power. And God, may this year be a profound year of shift and change in their lives. God, that there will be a liberation and a freedom. Even now, Lord God, Holy Spirit, just break whatever that fear is. If it's around finances, Lord God, the fear of finances, break it. Lord God, if it's fear around time, uh, break it. Lord God, if there are insecurities around the heart and giving, Lord God, just break it in Jesus' name. May there be a liberation. May there be a freedom in Jesus' name. Lord God, release the power of heaven heaven. Just as Peter prays that there will be a power over those who are standing right now. Fall upon them. Give them what they need. Anoint them and fill them, Lord God. And may this year be a year of great blessing. 
Lord God, that there will be a light that shines in and through them that will just spill out into this church, into the work, in their workplace, into their families, wherever they go. Pour out your spirit. Come upon them. Come upon them. Fill them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Why don't we join them in standing? Let's stand. I reckon that's a prayer for us as a church this year, hey? That God would just bring us into a new level of freedom, a new level of vitality in life where we just, we don't live in fear anymore. Hey, we're going to sing a song, The Goodness of God. Why don't we just lift our voices, lift our eyes. Let's get a fresh vision of the greatness and the goodness of God. And as you sing, just be asked, God, what are the things you are calling me into this year? What are the, what are the spaces where you are calling me to be generous? to give of myself. And uh, just as you do that, let's just, uh, let's just allow God to speak. Come on, let's sing. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through those doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.